to More Real, a podcast about real people for real people. I wanted to create a space where I share my true feelings and those of my guests about what it's like to live in today's world. The challenges we face and how we deal with them, or don't. What about all that stuff that's just not said but should be? You know, the conversations that we really want to have but don't. What do we really think and feel? What about our regrets, dreams that we have and the stuff we should be doing but we don't? Each week, I'll be here talking to real people about real life. This is a very honest look at life and hopefully, by listening, it will help you to have a better understanding of yours. In today's episode, I'm talking to a friend of mine, Stephen, about how much of who we really are do we reveal to others and how he deals with expressing himself and his emotions. Why knowing a person's history allows you to truly understand who they are and how his childhood has shaped who he's become. I really hope you enjoy our conversation as much as we did. So welcome. We had a conversation a while ago, last time I saw you. You talked about actually at work, there was an exercise you did, you had to open up and share. Well, yeah, we've done a few. Yeah, okay. To what extent do you both, and I could see why, in a corporate world and in your personal life, do you, would you say, oh, I wear a mask? Mostly no. And I say that quickly, <laughs> but I can think of a thousand times when I do wear a mask. I think I wear a mask. But mostly no. I, the times I wear a mask is probably where you're directing the question, is when I'm uncomfortable or when I am conscious of other people who... It's a really good question. When do I wear a mask and why? Well, that's what I'm asking myself off the back, back of that question. Sometimes it's a, I wear a mask because it, it's just a natural thing to protect yourself and go in and be less vulnerable to any sort of criticism or judgment, any rash judgment that someone might make about you. But also I wear a mask if I'm conscious that my personality or my behaviour may impact someone else. You know, and that's where I think mostly where I would wear a mask. If, if I'm conscious, if I'm conscious of it, I'll, I'll just go in a little bit easier because it takes a little time for people to build some level of familiarity and rapport and once you move to that point then you can sort of be a little bit more open i think that's the best way i could answer that and but do you think when you what you just said then do you think that you're worried that that person that before they know you properly they might form an opinion of you or they might see you in which isn't necessarily perhaps who you are and therefore you kind of hold yourself back until oh you know me now okay i can be more no no i I, it's not about me knowing them knowing me I think there's some social aspect to it where you can go back to humans as animals and you know, we approach each other and you know, it's fight or flight or fright, fight, flight or fright, I think it is. I want to be in a situation where someone's not in fright and doesn't want to run away. I'm not necessarily hiding anything or protecting myself. It's more about I want to engage and if I want to engage I've got to two animals meeting and you don't just go head to head and because you could create 
Yeah, but then I go, as you're saying to me, I, I think, because I know you, why would you think to do that and not just be you? Because why would why would being you n- have any negative impact where they, there might be some issue? Do you know what I mean? Like, well, think, I, I, I met someone two nights ago. Yeah. He was the most, what I could make of him, and we sat across from each other for dinner over the course of two hours, two and a half hours. Very quiet, couldn't make eye contact, and however you want to, whatever judgment you can make from that, right? Really, really quiet. He, and he was with, sitting with his wife. I spent most of my night, I still could be me, and I wasn't wearing a mask, but I was, the mask, well, there was some element of mask. The mask was, I was over attentive in making sure his voice was heard. I directed some of my questions directly at him, and in moments when the larger table was sort of sidetracked by another conversation. Or when his wife did turn to him for conversation or some feedback, that I gave him the space. Now, where I might, where if my mask was off, I might have just been a little bit more gregarious and just moved forward on the conversation. You know, I might have just slipped across that. I could have been too quick to think and, and tried to covered the tracks for him because he didn't respond quickly enough and that's more about me than about him so no judgment there but it's just that's how the mask for me presents itself sometimes and so that that's a that's a skill so where did you have you always so have you always had that ability where you kind of go okay basically what you just said to me or, or have you learned that and if you have learned that where did you learn that from i guess we learn all those i mean any sort of social interaction with another human <laughs> You learn through trial and error. So I guess I've learnt it. I don't know if it's innate. My experiences in my life come from, like anybody else, going to school. What I may, I can, I can maybe be able to attribute it to is working in, the, in public bars. That's where I... Or working in, in the service of the public. And that doesn't... I don't mean from a government standpoint. Um, I mean working in retail in large supermarkets, working as a paper boy. I've worked since I was 11 years old, working in public bars, as I mentioned. Public bars I raise because I found it to be very stimulating because it brought in all walks of life. You know, you had your businessmen, you had your workers, you had girls' groups, you had single, older blokes with their ponies of beers, whatever the case may be, and the history of every single human that walked in, every single person that walked into at the bar, is so rich. The only way you're going to get them to talk is to have some neutral position which doesn't invoke, as I said, some sort of fright or flight. Because they, they fly, they might not physically leave, but they will just not engage. And if they fright, they might respond aggressively. Especially in public bars, you don't, you didn't, I, I never wanted that. And I was also bored. <laughs> so it was much better to, to be working physically, which is, you know, it was pretty mundane sort of work, but also have a conversation with someone. So maybe that's, that's where I That sounds for sure. It's mm. fascinating that you said that. And then, so would you, but would you describe, how would you describe yourself in terms of your, when you have a, like that guy you mentioned, what did you want him to take away from, from the, you? What would you, what, what, what kind of, what does he... For me? Yeah, like what do you want him to think of you? If but, you get someone to engage and you have a good conversation, 
and it's an open conversation, the conversation can go absolutely anywhere. anywhere. And, we, you know, we've had a conversation prior to this, this conversation. That's part of the purpose of what you want to achieve in, in these podcasts. And I enjoy them as well, especially when you can get someone to talk about their life and their experience and how they see the world. And, and seeing the world through someone else's eyes, it's insightful because the world is not as you see it. And I don't think that's, that's nothing new. That's very obvious and, and everyone is aware of, of that in anyone. But I, I think to have someone tell their story or tell a version of a story, you know, the mask can be on because I've got something to do. You know, I want to get somewhere. I, I've got a time pressure. I am preoccupied, as I said, the noise in my head would be, you know, I've got to get this job done. There's so much going on in anyone's mind at any given moment that the mask might be there because I'm focused on something else and I want to get through the social graces of an interaction as quickly as I can. So you go to a store, you want to buy something, you go, hi, how are you? Good, yeah, how's your day? Yeah, really good. Can I, can I buy this? Yep, thanks. See you later. Good seeing you again. Have a great day. There's a mask in itself. That's true. But so of your peers, how would you describe other people and your observation of other people and their masks like can you see can you when you're when you're with someone maybe these are people that, that you know as well as people you don't know so well will you go okay i'm not i know i'm not really getting what i want from you or you're not giving me you're holding back or whatever do you have those time moments and if you do have those moments do you ever say look all the time and i mean that's the and sometimes i'm not i don't want to have a conversation so that's about me and they don't want to have a conversation or they don't want to have more than I want to touch base i've got enough information in our interaction or and i'm talking about information as if it's you know there's nothing personal in it but it's sometimes you just want to know if you're well i know you well enough i've had a good comment but there's 10 other people out there that i haven't had a conversation with for some time but i spoke to you yesterday so it's just it can be very simple and i've forgotten your question no, in terms of you know wh- how, oh, how, how other people yes yeah, that yeah. you would say around you do you have you know where you do do you struggle with that where people are like your friends where there you go you know you're not being and sometimes you call them out on it or you don't call them out on it where they're just not being they're not really telling you I, what's in the past on. I would get upset about it because I would have thought that I had a better almost uh, entitled privilege or priority in the conversation that I wanted to have. But not now. I just think people have, there's moments in time and it's a snapshot in an experience and if the conversation, if I can draw on one person I know very well and she and I have a very long standing relationship and I don't get to see her that often and I really like her, but there's a 50-50 chance that I'll get a conversation from her. Oh, sure. Hi, how are you going? And and she'll be looking at who else she can speak to. But the time I have with her when she's engaged, where it's we're mates, it's great. It's, it's it's a joy. So I look forward to those times. It doesn't mean I'm disappointed sometimes that I'm ready for it and she's not hmm. for those sorts of conversations. And there's other, you know, there's other conversations, you know, where you you walk into uh, mostly in social situations like a party or something like that, and. And the last time, every time you speak to this person, you always get into this very deep, relate, this deep discussion, and the relationship is evolving and forming. And I, sometimes you just want to have a very 
you want to laugh, you want one-liners, you want that social, you want a group of people to be sort of um, bouncing off and with and... Okay, so... So, so um, it is situational. Yeah, guess. and then so when, when someone says to you, how are you, well, how would you answer? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> so, it's like, so, it's like, so that's where it... It's, but it's so in terms of which is which we're is, both pointing at each other. Yeah, no, we are pointing. <laughs> no one else can see this. We're pointing at each other. But so I had a conversation. I went to Out one of, of my excitement. Yes, yeah, true. I went to one of my kids' school things the other day, and I did exactly why I'm asking this question is I, I saw a guy there who I know. I, I don't see him very often. He's a really nice guy. We would we had a quick conversation. I had to go off somewhere else. I came back to him. And, oh, I didn't ask you how you were. How are you? And he said good. And I went. And I actually didn't. I was about to go really good. Then he went, goes, no, not really good. He goes, shit. He said, but you know what? I said, no, you know what? And I respect you more for saying that because mm-hmm. let's face it, without being negative, not everyone feels shit all the time. But often, we've all got, I guess most people, if you're married and you have children or you've got a partner or you, you know, you'd have a job, there's loads of stuff going on in your life. It's tough to manage all of that. So... Why do more people not go? Why is this? It's just become the line. Yeah, good. Yeah, which is bullshit because that's not. I'm not saying you can't feel good. Of course you can. But how often do you say that when you're not really feeling good? All the time, because people don't want to hear always. Do you have the time to explain the context of why I feel shit? So that's a that's a bit of a judgment call as well as for whether or not you're going to have a, a deeper engagement. Because if someone says shit to you, you go, oh, good. <laughs> see you later good that's to know tr- <laughs> you that's know? true and then you just sort of left something hanging and so then then that person may or may not go well they really didn't care about what I said so to the point about good bad indifferent whatever the case may be so I, I think you know that social interaction that sort of that's just rote learn stuff you know it's you know there's a lot of um, fill in this space, you know, um, spicks and, you know, everyone knows the answer to these these memes, I guess. And we, our, 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 our very nature to want to connect with, with each other is through this meme, sort of, hi, how are you? I'm good, you're good, let's go. But if you've got more time and then you, you say, well, so you might want to, I mean, I, I don't like it sometimes. I don't like that transactional engagement because there's nothing in it and sometimes you go through the motions and then you're just in silence what do you say next so i think there's a bit of an art in 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 opening up a conversation beyond that sort of rote learn connection and where i and where i come from is what you've just touched on is connection and in a world where there are far less proper connections I think even though I understand the point you made before which is absolutely valid where people don't always have the time to have proper connections with people by saying the word good how are you good you just perpetuate that way of being that people accept so it's conforming which I have a real issue with in lots of ways in the world where people conform because they feel like that's what that they that's what you do when actually that for me that is so wrong because it just it just perpetuates this way of being how do you break it well like conversations like this yeah it, it, it the breaking it's hard and and not so so what you can have your you know breaking it by saying things like so how do you how do you fit into this situation usually in a party you know uh, why are you here how'd you get here I, I like the thing that i like asking about is what book someone's reading and so that's just you know that 
gives some indication of what their interests might be. Asking people about their work is pretty rote learn as well. If you are able to touch on something that someone's passionate about in their work, then it creates a, a different layer in the conversation, I'd imagine. But what's interesting is what you just said then as I go, and I had a conversation with someone who we both know, it doesn't matter who this person is, the other day where I said to them, you know, I'm doing this podcast and one of the things I want to do with my podcast is, is talk about men and men being able to express how they truly feel. And then he launched into this whole kind of, God, you know what, that's really amazing because I don't talk about how I feel. Men don't talk about how they feel because I was never taught to do that. And I never felt like I could do that. So what you just said, I'm like, well, so if someone came up to you, yeah, it depends on the context, work or in a shop or you're buying, we haven't got the time, I get that. But if it's a social interaction, how do you feel? Of course you can say good, but if you're challenged with, well, no, okay, what, but how do you feel? So people... Do you ever have that? Yeah, I've, uh, people ask that. and, and So I, I, I would express how I feel. Like I might... I'm, usually it's because I'm out somewhere. I'm excited to be where I am. So that's... I genuinely feel when I'm out and about, that's... Oh, I'm, I'm allowed out of the house today and this is a good day. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, and by most, the way, Stephen never goes out of the house, by the way, <laughs> in case you're wondering. <laughs> He's a social recluse, yes, but no, right. I'm joking. I think there's a lot in how you feel because that's the experience you're having at the moment whether the experience reflects the reality of any situation and there's the there's the disconnect and there's that disconnect that space is the exciting space for me and that can open up a whole lot of things but to to how do i feel how i may respond to that as a as an individual or a, a person i I, I don't think I have any qualms in, in saying it. it it's, it's when it's the, the discomfort for me about expressing how I feel is when it's almost like let's sit down and talk about expressing how we feel. Let's sit down on at 2 o'clock tomorrow. We're going to sit down and we're going to talk about how you feel. Now, I, I sort of get it. I probably would be comfortable... No, I don't think I can't think of any time where I'm comfortable with that. So you started this question um, with an experience that I had um, at a previous work environment, and it was a whole group of executives sitting around a table trying to build a culture amongst ourselves. It was a leadership team. How many people in the room? Is that not really? Oh no, it's it's probably well. There's been a number of occasions, so but this, they range between sort of eight to twelve. And was there somebody externally managing that or was it all just yeah. the people in the organisation that yeah. were doing well, it? Well, a bit of both. Um, one was a, a person developing himself into this space. He wanted to facilitate cultural change and in this particular situation wanted to build trust in the leadership, a trust with each other and build a culture and, and lead from the a cultural change from the top, I guess. Top's the wrong word, but a, a team of people have influence um, through positional power. And other times it's been external, where they're professionally trained and they work... This, it's working the same angles, just trying to open up the conversation, the dialogue around how people feel. So anyway, we're in a situation, and this is what the example I think you're referring to, where and they have these dinners 
We sit around as part of the dinner in, in between the courses, you'll talk about something personal about yourself and you'd run around the table. And I'm, on a day-to-day basis, I'm very comfortable. But when it came to that, it came to right at the end of everyone sharing, there was tears, people sharing personal and sad stories, people talking about you know, exciting things and, and journeys they've been on and a bit of their history. It was all about sharing something people didn't know. And I got... And I was the last one because I didn't. I kept pushing it away, pushing it away. I said, "Well, I've got to think of something. I've got to say." Got to a point. I said, I'm, "I don't want to share," and that was a surprise even to me. There was nothing. I felt. I didn't feel any comfort, and so what ended up happening because I'm not afraid to say something and <laughs> I'm not afraid to have a chat, is that I shared that my feeling was discomfort about the scenario that we're in. That was this. And you know, kumbaya corporate approach to let's build sharing. Uh, well, build trust through the sharing of intimate and personal moments. And what was what was it about that experience that made you feel discomfort? If you look back on it now, can you articulate what that was? It didn't feel natural for me. You know, when you asked me to consider doing this with you, my immediate reaction was no, not doing it. But that was my immediate instant not doing it. And then over the course of the night, we had a, a long conversation. And, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it, this is exactly what I should do to bring myself out of my comfort zone, to challenge myself. So that was that. In that situation, it wasn't a challenge for me to share a story. The challenge for me, I think, was that it was manufactured and yet, you know, some, you know, it didn't change how other people interacted with that situation. Some people really shared some deep and personal experiences. There were some really, truly true feelings in the room. I just couldn't manufacture it at the time. And I, I don't think that's such a bad thing either, that I didn't feel like talking at that moment. I didn't have a lot to say about anything personal or introspective, I did. I I ended up talking still quite a bit, like I am right now on this verbal diary. But I started talking about the insights that I'd learnt that day, but it wasn't really. I don't think it really truly reflected how I felt. If the only time I did talk about how I felt was the discomfort of the situation we were all in, the manufactured aspect of it all. I don't know if that's. I'm talk, Usually, when I talk too much, means I really haven't thought it through enough. I'm, I'm no, but it's interesting because you, you know, you've, the fact that you said I, I didn't know that, although I probably would have thought that as much as I know you, that your reaction to doing the podcast with me would have been your first reaction it would have been no, because I think you're a great guy, but do I really know you? I don't know that I do, because it goes back to what we recently talked about: is how much of you do you give? of yourself to other people do you feel comfortable that you can give and what you said you said where you do feel like you do that and obviously to certain people who know you for a long time very well you do I've got a good relationship with you I like you a lot you're a great guy but do I really know you you might say well Dan I don't know you either that's totally fair enough I don't know I mean I think I'm very open I'll Mm. tell you anything in that room I'd have been the guy you had to shut up because he's talked about all the (laughs) experiences in his life no we're not all the same clearly everyone's different So I'm, I'm not judging anybody because they don't, they do that. They're, they're, if the spectrum over here on the left, you can't see my hand, is someone who doesn't say anything. And over here on the right is someone who 
spills his guts every second time he opens his mouth. Mm. No, it doesn't matter where you are. I'm interested in what, why you, you, which is why I asked the question, why did you feel discomfort? And I get what you said. I think that's a good answer that you felt it wasn't, it was manufactured and it needs to, for you, obviously needs to feel more comfortable. You need, you need to feel more comfortable in and relaxed in being able to, because it doesn't come to you naturally. Mm. That's, that's, I'm guessing. Well, I think it just, it it didn't evolve naturally in that situation. So, you know, knowing someone, you triggered something that I hadn't really thought about too much. Do when do you know someone? You get to know someone better by the experiences you have with them. You see people in different situations, and then you can they over the course of that time, you might see patterns in their behaviour that indicate how they think because that's the knowing piece. But that changes over time. The person that you might meet when you get married to the person you retire with, that relationship and the individuals in that relationship have changed so much over that time. It's almost like two different people in a completely different relationship. And so knowing someone, I, I think, only can come from experiences. And even then, if if you knew someone for 10 years and didn't see them for, I don't know, two years, three years, that person's changed there's so much happened to them in that two-year period. There's so many experiences they've had and you've had that now there's this unknown aspect of knowing someone. So what have you been doing for two years? So you can talk about it, but that doesn't... Talking, the words you use, getting back to how we communicate and the noise that's associated with that, it's, not a, it's only a form of the truth of what happened, a form of reality. It's the only way we can communicate and, and it's the stories we present ourselves and... There's a whole lot of science and research to suggest that the the stories that we have of ourselves and the reality, they're, they're, they're two different things. I mean, there's a lot of science and research to suggest that we, we tend to fill in the blanks. The story that we tell doesn't always relate to the actual experience that we had. Uh, so, okay, so then how would you say you... So how would you... Would you say you know me? Would I say I knew you? As in, do you know who I am? No, I don't think I know... I don't even know the person I've been with for... I know, I would say I know her better than I know most people, but we have discussions all the time where I'm completely surprised by a reaction, a behaviour, a thought process, all the time. You and I get along very well. We've known each other for many years, actually. We met in another country. Yeah, we did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some days I don't want to talk. I've just rolled up my sleeve, so I just right. I'm tacking this. I'm going to talk about me, and some days, you know, I'm terse. I don't want to have a conversation. I'm not interested in having a conversation. I've got something going on at work. It's annoying me. One of my boys is taking too long to, you know, come out of school. I'm worried about the car parked over here, and someone comes up and says, uh, you know, would you mind giving me a hand? You know, it's going to take five or ten minutes. No, I can't. I'm, and my my reactions too direct and this person's met me before all of a sudden they don't know me because it's out of context and it's a snapshot in time and they go oh he's not always mr convivial he's a little bit prickly now he's prickly and nice guy i don't know how to wrap those two together so maybe i'm going to just take his prickly or maybe they go oh he's not having a great day today i'm not going to engage with him anymore so again it's up to the person to make a judgment call on how well they know or how well they accept any given situation. 
I couldn't I could meet you, but I do think I would know you. I would know who you are. Mm. You will have good days, bad days. You'll say something. You'll not. You'll react, and there's all of that. But if I had a conversation over a reasonable amount of time where you talked about some things, I'd know who you are. I think that marriage. Going back to your point about the person that you married, if you got married when you were twenty, and you stay with that person until you're sixty, seventy, however old you are, you change. You change. Evolve and become a completely different person. You are not the same person, clearly, yeah. as you were when you're 20, when you're 70. Likewise, the person you're with does exactly the same thing. So to try and get the two of you to evolve in the same way, or not the same way, but to be able to have evolved so that you still feel the same yes. way about each other, yeah. for me, is completely flawed because I don't even see how that's possible. It's hard. It's, it's ridiculous, which is why I think marriage is a completely flawed concept because... You should. This wasn't my idea, but I think what would work much better is, is you have a almost like an agreement that after ten years or five, whatever period you determine, a shorter period of time, you review it. Maybe before you have kids, perhaps, because then the kids do complicate things. And then you go, you know what? This isn't working. Let's just go our own separate ways. Particularly before you have kids, it's easy to do that. Mm. Versus, oh, 20, 30 years down the line, you're not really. You're just different people. But you're bound together by a house or a property or a Kids. children or yeah. whatever, friends. And it's much tougher fear and money and all these things play into and conforming and all that stuff where you just go, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not really who I am, want to be or who I could be or I'm with. But I'm just stuck for the long for the ride. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> so this is so when do you have those conversations? Uh, let me rephrase the word situation. Maybe it's a snapshot in time. So what I think now and what I think in the future, they could change. And being open to change is that snapshot in time. So you go, I want kids. And then you have kids and you go, actually, I can't give my kids back. Because kids is the, for me personally, that's a, that's a contract. That's a, one of the strongest contracts to care and, and love, nurture a life into this world, that, that's a, that's, there's a lot of responsibility and accountability for that. The relationship you have with your partner to do that, there's a partnership in raising that. But if the partnership doesn't hold up, you know, you still have the responsibility for a child and accountability for a child. So things change from, uh, from the moment that you're making those sorts of decisions to the time you're living and breathing it. So when you're going out with this person, you've only been out with them a year. When I say only been a year, it's pretty indication of how long um, I've been with my partner for. Do you keep going in that relationship with the idea that you're going to marry and or have children and or not have children and or not get married? After a year, six months, five years, ten years, what... what how does that evolve? And it's sort of to the same point that you're making that it, the institution of marriage, locking two people together, legally, not out of love, <laughs> lock, lock this down, put a you know a chain around the finger fingers and say, right, that's it, we're done. I mean, that's... that's so I'm not married, but I have two boys. 
and the decision we made over the course of our early part of our relationship was that that I don't it, the kids are going to bind us together more than anything else will ever from my perspective but I don't know how long our relationship will last and that's one of the conversations we had we said this could be short term or long term but my investment is forever that's my so the decision I made then was investment forever but it doesn't mean it will last forever and so how long after you were with your partner after you were together you you first met you're in a relate. You started being in a relationship before you had children. I was thinking ballpark, few, ballpark, ballpark. So it was about seven years, right? And and but, but the decision was made before that because you know you have to procreate to have a kid. So there's nine months before that at least, and then there's the the discussion that went before that. So the decision, you know, was back. You know, we were four years, four four or five years into it when we started talking about having children. What children? In fact, I think we even might have had that discussion earlier because Roche was absolutely adamant that children were part of her future having children were part of her future and mine was not so so how did you how did you marry forgive the word yeah. but you get what I mean how did you marry those two disposing lots conflicting of, lots and lots of conversation did but do you feel like I could say to you in a relationship and clearly this is the same any relationship there's compromise that's a big compromise if you don't and she vehemently does. I use vehemently. Well, that was you the said compromise. That. that was the that was the negotiation. But the, okay, so where does where does why didn't you? I think mainly at that stage is more for selfish reasons. I didn't. I was enjoying. How old were you? Early thirties. And so you were. Oh no, late like like mid mid thirties. Mid thirties. Yeah. So you were you had a just so I can and anyone listening to this gets a sense of where you're at. You had a you were working. You had a good social life. You were out and about. What was what was going on? Was it just all great? So therefore, you didn't want to give that up. You, had, you were yeah, out partying and, and I was living overseas. I had a great job. We were traveling heaps, saving money. My career was developing quickly. We're having a ball all the time. It was just it was too good to be true, sort of stuff. It really, really was the gold one of the golden periods of my life. And then what about? which goes back to uh, something that I will bring up often conforming, did you feel like your peers, I don't know how many people that, that you had known for a long period of time were in your life then, or uh, wherever you were living, you had obviously made friends, I'm just assuming, <laughs> those people clearly, <laughs> had those people, like, had they, where were they at in there? Were they kind of like saying, oh, were they married, did they have? So the people hanging around with overseas in, in the UK didn't have children, there was no kids at that stage the people back here in australia they were already already moved into to having children it didn't feel like there was any pressure it was a decision that was made and and i think there was a timing of it associated with when's the time to have children as a female from a health standpoint there's risks that increase as you get older stage of life and you know whether the moon is twisted the right direction and i mean you can bring in a whole lot of variables and we did we we calculated everything. It had to be perfect. We had to have it at the right time. Did we, when, are we, when are we going to go back? Are the grandparents this age? And, and how many kids do we want? And are we, is this going to change our life? Because we, we loved travelling. Do we have enough income? I mean, all those sorts of things were discussed. And the decision came down to Rosh saying fundamentally, well, I want to have kids. If you don't want to have kids, then we're probably not going to be together. And was there a point where you went... 
okay then I've really got to think about this and I'm not sure I do want to be with you or did you make that decision very quickly and right yeah of course I do want to be with you uh, the decision was when it it became more realised in the discussion and I'll say that so <laughs> so uh, calculated but it was it became much more apparent that this that wasn't a negotiation it was just going to be well, I'm having children sort of stuff and it was it was something that was could potentially harm our relationship and we had a great we still do have a great relationship I didn't want to put that at risk so the biggest risk I took on was being a father to whatever children I was going to raise and that was much more significant and there's you asked me uh, earlier why didn't I want children I, I don't necessarily think I had a great role model what, what was okay so we, then, we, I don't know your, we I, had, know your I had a very disrupted family life through my experiences that meant if I had children that I, I could draw on that experience so there was a risk there and to tell me about disruptive what oh, does that mean nothing significant more that my parents divorced when I was a young teenager it wasn't a particularly good divorce it disrupted the entire nature of the family and we disintegrated as a result it also shaped me and shaped all of my siblings to be a little bit more independent and resilient to life. And I, I always, the challenge I have with expressing this is that it is the experience I have, I get that. And it did have a significant impact on my life. I get that as well. But I just, I can't help compare to, to the experiences other people have. I just can't, I can't shake that. And yet it's my experience. The only experience I, that's mine. Like I, I have to, I have to wear that and, and live with that and, I don't have to live with it. I have to process that. But but I think there's so much more stuff going on. It's not like I, I'm not hurt. I've been affected by it. I've been impacted by it. But I'm not damaged by it. I mean, you could argue that there's some damage there. But there's so much more damage going on with in other people's lives that I've, I don't want to overstate how how bad it was. It wasn't great. We didn't enjoy it. But it was something that strengthened. I mean, you look at all my siblings now and, and everyone's happy and all married, all have kids. And I don't say that's the perfect life or anything, but the, everyone's very happy with their lives. just made us stronger as a result. So I, I, I don't... There, there were certainly sad moments and all that sort of stuff and, and, and what we all needed to do to... to I'll use the word process because it's, it's so neutral... To, to, to bring ourselves to adjust to that change and also the emotional journey that you go on when your parents are not there like they once were. That's a significant change. That's a, an adjustment that you don't expect. And so the, so the physical not being there, were they emotionally there for you? Because we've had a conversation oh, in the past where I've said my parents in that generation, you could argue I'm in my early 50s, but of, of our peers... You know, it was children were to be seen and not heard, and therefore my parents were—they loved me. My my parents didn't didn't split, but they're still together. They're, they don't have had a not a great marriage at all. Mm. Uh, so whilst they separated or were together, it doesn't really make a difference because ultimately I'm still left feeling the way that I feel. So exactly, I mean that that's a that's a great example of what I was trying to say. I guess is just that there's different experiences as a result of whatever's going on and. Did they love me? They love me. Well, I know mum does. I don't know about dad. 
that that's that's in debate amongst all of you know we talk about these experiences we have in my my siblings i would argue that we all have a very common view of whether or not our father loved us and that there's it's a very consistent i don't think he did and so in the relationship before they got divorced there's i don't know whether he loved us then either you know and 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 his behavior since then has definitely demonstrated that he doesn't and yet i'm saying this with such confidence and absolute truth but that's my it's my I, I don't know I've never asked him I have a never I haven't spoken to my father since I was you know, many many years ago it's 30 plus years now 30 years I haven't asked him in 30 years I haven't spoken to him in 30 years and I can't remember him saying that I love you in my life up until that time so you know his view of the world is very different so I don't know what that is and that is the only reason because I don't know getting back to the start of all this I think I want to find out now for the first time and I only said this recently that's maybe why I want to understand a little bit more you know uh, I'm a little bit introspective here I was listening to a band and I will remember the name of the band in a second a famous band at my music bowl quite recently I'm having a great time. I've had a few beers. I'm with friends. Really having good... And I listened to the words he was talking about. And I don't usually listen to the words. I usually just dance to the music or bop, you know, bop. <laughs> my, my sons heard me say that. They would uh, crucify me. And he said, the only reason I have a relationship with my father today is because I spent the time, or he spent the time, at least explaining to me his history. He didn't explain to him why he was who he was. He this this uh, John Butler trio. You know, it was John. He said only because I knew his history that I was able to understand the man I was seeing in front of me today, and only because I actively pursued his history. And it, I don't think he was giving a lesson. He was just saying how why he has a relationship with this man who it didn't sound like behaved very well in the family environment. So. That triggered that thought, and that was a uh, you know that it's very grounding when you have those little insightful moments, and that's the only t- I think that's the only reason why I might want to re-engage. How many siblings have you got? Three, a brother, two sisters. And it's interesting that you all, from what you just said, think the same way about him, and also not not just that. I was interested in the fact that you were all able to come away, and be it'd be very easy. As I said to you before, you can have parents who are together yeah. or who split up and be equally emotionally damaged. Because mm. you said before, I wasn't, I didn't say that, but I'm assuming it wasn't, you weren't physically damaged. You didn't hit you. Or no, I don't know, no but, physical. Right? But you can be emotionally damaged, which is, it can actually be worse. No, I, I totally agree. It's still damaged. Yeah, but, but, but it, but it sounds, from what you're saying, you seemed as a unit together. As in, you were able to move on with your lives and and that get on and have relationships and not be scarred by not being able to have. They're all married, you said, and got kids, and I mean, whatever that means, because I don't know them, mm. you know. But but that's, I mean, I'm not saying it's so terrible, but you, you could think that maybe one person might have been affected by that and didn't. And oh, we're didn't all get, affected by it, and, and, and I, I think, mean, to the point where you didn't, you weren't able to, or there were loads of underlying issues I don't know if that's oh, I'm the sure there still is and yeah. you know as much as I say you know I, I don't know if I think there always is uh, yeah. so that's what I'm saying it's that 
what I'm not saying. That's what I'm trying to say is that, you know, some of these, some of this conversation I haven't really thought through in a lot of detail and, and some of it's been a bit of a ramble and that's because I haven't thought it through and I haven't, con- you know, come up with a, uh, a rational and or a well-articulated version of that truth for me. And that damage, that damage is not always the right word, that impact of those experiences in that time then and what's happened from that that time, those, those layers that keep applying this compounded view of those experiences and how they manifest today behaviourally, I think it's always there. And when psychologists, psychiatrists get paid a shed load of money to help unpack some of that and where it's come from, you know. And, and I love the analogy, I can't remember whose analogy it was, that you're born in, an, in, a, in a house, that it's just the house metaphor and all your doors and windows are open, everything's free and breezy, it's just it's, it's perfect, right? You've got the warm breeze coming in and out, there's no threat, you know, you don't even have fly screens up, it's just, that, that's my vision of it anyway. And over the years you realise, well actually, it's that person who came in the front door just I'm not happy about that, I'm going to shut that front door. Someone's climbing in the, I'm going to shut that, you know, I didn't, I didn't like that feeling, I'm going to shut that window of that feeling, you know. But I'll open it, you know, and you open it again and, and keep, you show a little bit of vulnerability and eventually the, d- the window stays shut. And then over the course of the years, people paint over the windows, they paint, they might brick it up and you don't even know that's been shut off. It does, it's disappeared, that window or that door or that archway or whatever the hell free flow of feeling you had about all that, at that time of experience you had and it's just gone but you cannot access that anymore you're stuck and there's something blocking it and you don't even know what's blocking it or why it's been blocked or what feeling you can't access anymore whatever it is so you know that's that's layers of years and experiences and i think everyone's got that to some degree you can't avoid that so i you know as much as i say we have a real common feeling we've come out of this you know relatively well in the context of marriage kids general happiness i think we've negotiated that okay i think if you crack below and it well i've seen it you, cr- you can as siblings you know the, the some of the dark marks where the windows once were you know like you can tap that brick and it'll pop open and it'll, uh, something will flood through you know and i think there's still some of that you can still see in family dynamic and in, particularly in ours it's, it's, it's very easy we, we sit around Christmas time and my mum said, if you, were to, if you were to sum up your childhood in one word, what would it be? I mean, that's, that was just over Christmas. We're having a lovely time and then mum says, bang, that. And mum's, mum's, there was no harm meant in it. Wow, and, that's a big question. Oh, it's a big question. And to simplify it down to one word. Can you tell me what was said? What words people picked? One of the words was disappointing. A disappointing childhood. I think that's what it was. That's a pretty powerful. Oh word. yeah, <laughs> that. Well, I and I think for Mum that was hard for her to hear that. Is that? It's not apportioning. Can't apportion blame, but I don't know to what extent well, so your dad, your mum, or dad was. More no, it wasn't. I, I don't think she didn't. She wasn't saying that, but no, but but um, we didn't explore it because. 
we actually all said if we explore that it's we are going this is going to change this the the why we were here so you know the context and situation we're in did we want to go down that path now people might who might listen to this might say well there was the opportunity to explore that i would have jumped into that i would have loved to have explored that because that would have really brought some some stuff to the surface but there was a, i didn't want to upset the entire family just because i wanted to do that as an example that was my decision not i could have done it i could have pushed it hard and but out of interest did you say did you voice look does anyone else want to talk about this or you, did you just say no no we all talked about whether we want to talk about oh, it okay that's yeah yeah and said i why the, the general consensus why ruin a perfectly good day because when we do get we hardly get together that would just unpack a whole lot of stuff and it would take you know you you wouldn't do it do it any justice in the time we had together there was too many people there we had some people who are aware of you know, some people have our history and some people who don't because it was just a, a larger crowd it was a it was a it was quite a telling moment really in in the whole context of things so you know we were going going back to the point we were talking about before mum i think mum's expectation was she was quite shocked she i didn't realize that so she knows her son you would argue a mother knows her son and not all mothers know their son but you would argue i don't know if my brother would feel that mum knows him or not i don't know so she th- she would say she knows her son, but I think she didn't know that bit. So she learnt something. So that's the knowing, getting to know uh, different aspects. Yes. And that's why I think we 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 never quite know. And, and yeah. that was you, a, that was a that was a very telling one. That is. And do you, do you, if you look back on it now, do you think that that would be something that you would you would want to revisit in the right context with your that, that setting, I can sort of see how that wouldn't have been, right? Even though that you wanted to do that, or is oh. that just left and that's it now? Because yeah. going back to going back, because the reason why I'm I say back. that is you want to go back to, which is a huge thing, and talk to your dad, which I think is amazing, and I, I give you the utmost respect to if you do that. To I, I haven't done it. If you do, if you do that, <laughs> I said, then to unpack that, that's challenging. I don't know if I would want to unpack it. I'm, I'm a bit torn by this, my own answer here, because. To, un- to unpack that, that, you know, you're going back many, 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 many years and that's, there's the, you know, we're most influenced by those early years. And what we find there we might love and we might, what we might hate. And I don't know if unpacking it, when everyone's generally, there's a well-being amongst a community of our family right now, to unpack it and to bring it all to surface I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. I just don't know. And the uncertainty and risk associated with that is maybe I'm not willing to. I don't. I'm not. Haven't made the decision about whether I want to or not. Let alone making it happen is another thing, as I mentioned with my father. But I, I just that sometimes, you know, we've only got a certain amount of time in this world, and if we unpack something that's going to destroy. The uncertainty of you know the uncertainty that could destroy something that we already have. I don't know if I'd want to do that. To what extent do you think that what you just said, not specifically, but your dad, and what happened when you were growing up and the divorce and all of that, 
has affected you as a father? Oh, I've overcompensated the other way. <laughs> it's uh, I parent the crap out of the boys. <laughs> like it's, oh, we we laugh about that, and uh, even the boys say, you, you know, you, I think you're uh, you're being too much of a, a dad or father. I don't know. Just, there's lots of banter with the boys. I want them to have the support that I don't think I had. The gaps that were there. Uh, again, you know, I talked about the golden moment of my life. One of the other golden moments of my life for the first 10 years of my life. I can't remember all the 10 years because I was quite young, but uh, I remember where we lived, how I felt. I had a lot of personal joy, even though my parents weren't getting along and you could see the disharmony. And But I don't remember it being a bad life. I remember having a good life. I remember having, and we never went on holidays. We just we lived on an army base, or near an army base in an army village. There wasn't a lot of money in being a, a, an army family. I have lots of memories of not having always. It's not the life we lead now. <laughs> it was a very simple, simple, simple life. I love the simplicity of of life, and yet I've complicated it in so many different ways, and am aware of that. But that, that golden moment, and that was a moment when that, that, that period of time was when there was about to be a lot of change. My parents would get, I mean, I, I saw you know, two individuals starting to be tested in the relationship. Dad wasn't even in the country when I was born. I mean, there's a whole history in that as well. But that was, a, you know, we, the younger of the, uh, the two younger siblings, they, they don't have much memory of that period of our lives. That part was not the part that's the part we, we would need to unpack. It's the part after that, when we moved to Victoria, where things changed and they kept changing. I mean, we, we, so talk about matrimonial bliss or the, the story that goes with that. We moved to Victoria. Dad retired from the army after 20 years, got into the private sector, started earning money for the first time. They bought a house. We moved down to the um, southeastern suburbs, out near Frankston, a place called Seaford. Uh, they built their first house in one of those classic redevelopments of bog land down there, <laughs> right next to a freeway. It was, you know, it was harmony, perfect harmony. Laying in bed, listening to the the cat size going <laughs> as the uh, cars went over it. But that, I mean, also that was not so bad. But from that time, in that period of that change of moving to Victoria, moving houses, changing schools three or four times, all that change, family couldn't hold that change together. It just couldn't... It just imploded over all the course of change. And change is effort, you know. It does require a lot of fortitude to manage yourself through those changes, the ones you expect and the ones you don't expect, or the, Im- the impact of those changes. And the behaviours, the people, you know, reacting to, I don't necessarily think, you know, as a younger person, you know, I was 15 or 16 before I moved out, I don't know if I thought through anything. I don't think, in fact, I don't think I think thought through anything deeply until I was, you know, 50. <laughs> so maybe, you know, but anyway. That's that's a those sorts of changes and the impact they had on my life. To unpack all that and what happened then over that period of time, 
it's just they're the, the scarring you know you're, you're picking the scar apart you're opening up the wound to explore what happened and does it does that bring resolve to a situation is that going to bring a sense of peace a well-being to to me or to my siblings I, I just don't know and I don't think they would say it would bring that to them and I'd very stochastic things. So I had to get my structure of my sentence right then. No, but, go, but going back to when you over going back to the overparenting of your boys. Oh yeah, that's where it started. God, jeez, you've got me into a like I'm spiralling into. No, no, because it's all linked. Spiralling up that. and sideways. I don't mean down. No, no, I get what you're saying. But so, so, but what? Tell me what you mean by overpowering. What does that mean? I mean, overpowering when you're overparenting, whatever word you, the phrase you use. I think it was overparenting. Okay, I'm so, highly engaged. With my boys. Okay, so... so <laughs> Whether was, they want it or not. So going back to your... Even though you just talked about it, your dad, was he... And he, we've talked about this already in this podcast and even before another conversation about not giving you... Emo- not, not showing his feelings towards yeah. you. How do you do that with your boys? So do you hug them? Do you kiss them? Do you touch... Is there any... How's, what, how does that... There's lots of... Kissing and hugging and, and sharing. Of and does that come naturally to you? Yes. Or d- even though you didn't have that, I don't know what, how your mother was with you or your father. Maybe they did do that. I'm not, they, that's because their marriage was bad. I don't know how they showed I, you. I, that's the overcompensation piece, I'd imagine. I, I, I but how do, you, how do you, because I could go, I could tell you that my childhood, my father used to kiss me. I couldn't handle that. Uh, my mum, they were, my parents were typically emotionally rude and I just said my dad used to kiss me. I really struggled with that massively, and now, I like we when I saw you, I gave you a hug, and I think that's really important. Some contact between men, particularly, it's not often deemed to be accepted, which is I think is absolute rubbish. Mm. You should hug. I think that's a good thing. Mm. I do that with my boys and my daughter, but I don't kiss them. Oh, uh, I'm spitting hairs over not kissing, and yet, but I'm no, just but saying that's, that's, but that's. But that's an indication of who we are or how we've got to where we are like why don't the question is why don't you give them a kiss doesn't come naturally to me at all would you be afraid to kiss them if you said i'm going to give give them a kiss today or is it just a, a moment of going like oh, that's just how, not how i express my yes i would agree love I, I, I would there my yeah but then it goes back to what you said so my doing i parent very well I'm totally there. I do anything for my kids. Mm. I teach them to be independent. All of that. But affection, do I do I show them enough of that? I don't know. Neither do I. I don't know if I do too much and do too little. There's no answer to that. No, they isn't. would be to answer that. And I haven't asked them that question. Yeah. I will ask them that question. No, we, curious, we, but yeah. I, I saw the first time I ever saw a son and father kiss each other was my mate. I used to go to his house all the time and they'd say goodbye to each other. And give each other, and I said, "What? I, I didn't even understand mm. that could happen. I had no idea that was a real thing. I, but I, I was completely in a bubble about that. I had no idea. I, that I, I remember it vividly. Like it was a, it was a real shit. That's broken. That's really broken a mold. And if you're not aware of something until someone says, "Oh, did you know that? I did not know that. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know." And that I don't know. If, that I didn't open up anything because I was only probably. 14 at the time or 13 just didn't know but with the you know with the boys cuddling touching the intimacy of that for me is 
I don't know if it's, I don't even know, to your point, I don't know if it's important or not. I, 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 I like the connection. I don't want there to be any physical dif, dif, distance, but that, that physical dif, distance is not, I think it just uh, represents, for me, represents something else. You know, I, I'm getting myself into a hole here. I, I, I think going back to, to you, doesn't, the experience you just shared is that just because you don't kiss your kids doesn't mean you don't love them intimately. And uh, I just express it differently. So getting back to, to how with the boys, you know, to this day they still give me a kiss when I drop them off at school. And so I, I don't know if many boys will still do that at teenage years. But they both hug without request. Do they ask you about, because they don't see him, your dad, their yeah. grandpa? I think it's really important for them to know their history. To understand your heritage a little sort of explains why you're here. And that's even before the John Butler trio insight. Moment. <laughs> moment. Was, I, 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 in fact, I read it somewhere. <laughs> so it's not like it was a natural thing. I, someone said that, uh, you know, if you understand your story, it helps you process where you're at now. It just gives you some other layer of context in your life that you might be able to bring um, into a better understanding of yourself and how your family works. And in fact, it's exactly what John said in a sense. It's, it's that. Um, it's just what when he said it, the way he said it brought a different view of it for one particular relationship. Mm. So. Okay, so I have lots more to talk to you about, but I'm mindful of time. Yes, I don't know how much time we've got. Had. Doesn't matter. But so what I want to do is, even though I'm saying this on and might keep this on, I want to do another podcast with you. If that's okay with you, not now. Okay. <laughs> clearly, yeah. in the future. Mm-hmm. So we'll hold this hopefully for. A, we'll pause. We'll pause for another time. All right. But thank you. Thank you for sharing. I've been fantastic. Down now on the basis of this conversation. Thanks, Dan. Thank you for listening to More Real. I truly hope you've enjoyed the experience and that you will continue to be here to explore real life with me. If you've enjoyed it, please tell anyone you know about More Real. I'm very grateful as always for your support. Thanks very much.